Hey girl, welcome back to Our Space. I'm your host, Diana, and this is the podcast where we talk about the health and well-being of Black women with Black women. This week, we're going to take a look at some of the contributions that Black women have made to society that you may not know, A, what they are, and B, who they are. I feel like, and we're going to get into this in the episode, of course, but especially in the age of social media, we're seeing it, it's, it's in our faces. It has become glaringly obvious how often our work is co-opted, manipulated, and blatantly stolen. And this is not simply an issue of credit. More so, the issue is that people are capitalizing and profiting off of our ideas. And in a world where we're already making less money for the same work, having that work just blatantly stolen is a slap in the face. Tidbit. Actually, you know what? There's plenty of time for my tidbits. We'll come back. (laughs) So anyway, today I have two articles that I want to get into that I think really outline some of the major contributions. And then um, I have an article later on that's for like our fashion contributions, but we'll get into both, obviously. But yeah, this is just something that's really been weighing heavy on me. I feel like as a woman, and specifically a Black woman sometimes in certain spaces, but as a woman specifically, I feel like I have ideas that I will say them and people will... It's like they hear me, but they don't hear me. And will almost sometimes parrot back to me exactly what I said. And I'm like, that's funny because I just said that. That was that was my idea. Or it happens in lesser ways in my own relationship. I will say something. My boyfriend will say it back to me. And I'm like, that's funny. That's such a good idea that you had, babe. It was my idea. And like that's like in a funny ha-ha way because we both sometimes get caught not listening to each other. But like in general, imagine if that was like your reality all the time. Everything you did was constantly being just taken, like a parrot almost. I don't I don't know, I can't describe it, but just how, again, I spoke about this in the last episode. Imagine constantly being gaslit. And I think this might be the theme of this season. I don't know, hopefully I can get away from this. But at the same time, as a society, we can't get away from this. Every day, Black women are being gaslit, stolen from. And I don't know, I, yeah, I do know actually, it's disgusting, it's deplorable. And we're gonna get into some of it today, but... Yeah. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Imagine if this was you all the time. And in some ways, this is you. This happens to Black women every day in some capacity. But these are some big movements that I'm going to talk about today. And these are all on the backs of Black women. But who you might know for the movement is not the Black woman who created it. So let's dive in. First, I have an article from Forbes that outlines some very significant contributions to social justice, and it is very appropriately named the erasure of Black women's contributions from past to present. And it gives like a timeline going back to the 18th and 19th century up until now. Um, Like I mentioned earlier today, I have two articles and I might quite literally read this one verbatim because it is just that good and that well-written. And of course, is written by a Black woman that I will give credit to when I get to the article and read her name. But um, yeah, this this particular article, it to me was just very salient. I love the language that she used. Um, so yeah, first article, The Erasure of Black Women's Contributions. Let's pull that one up. So this article is by either Janice or Janice, J-A-N-I-C-E. Gassam Asser. As mentioned previously, this is a Black woman and a senior contributor at Forbes magazine. A disturbing trend that does not get enough attention is the continued practice of taking work, ideas, and creative genius from Black women without properly crediting or citing them as the source. This is not a new practice, but with the advent of the internet, these 
pernicious acts are even easier to spot. Any aspiring anti-racist must understand the insidious ways that this pattern is able to continue and recognize how to intervene when it does occur. This article will unpack their appropriation in more detail, highlight some lesser known instances, examine more popular examples of this erasure, and explore what Black women can do to protect themselves. In the 19th and 20th century, Black women like Sojourner Truth, Harriet Purvis, and Maria W. Stewart played a pivotal role in the women's suffrage movement. Despite this fact, their contributions were largely ignored and overlooked, with Black women having to march separately from their white counterparts as suffrage parades. Um, for those who may not be familiar, suffrage is voting rights and things of that nature. Black women have been behind some of the world's most pivotal social justice movements. Ergo, the Black Lives Matter movement and others, obviously. Yet there is a repeated pattern of leaving their contributions out. There are several examples that are important to note. So it goes on to start this, this list, this non-exhaustive list, but a great one. So here we go. Before Rosa Parks, 15-year-old Claudette Colvin refused to give up her bus seat. Although Colvin is now being credited as the first to really challenge the law, that's in quotation marks, her story is not often talked about or taught in history classes. In 1969, the Stonewall riots took place and sparked the LGBTQ liberation movement. At the helm of those riots was Marsha P. Johnson, a Black transgender activist who was credited for starting the Stonewall riots, but it wasn't until after Johnson's passing that her story and contributions became more widely known. Next, we have... In 2017, actress Alyssa Milano encouraged those who had experienced sexual abuse to write Me Too on Twitter. Milano's tweet caused an influx of stories from users about their experiences. Milano tweeted the hashtag Me Too without citing Tarana Burke, the Black woman who created the Me Too campaign. On social media, many users felt that Burke was being erased from her own movement. Now, I'm going to interject here, as if I already haven't, but I'm going to interject here to say that um, it has been reported that Alyssa Milano and Tarana Burke have spoken about the issue and that actually I have an article that I will not read, but I will put in the show description like everything else, um, where Tarana Burke actually goes on to say that, like, unfortunately, if Alyssa Milano had not tweeted that and got the hashtag going, that, sh that the movement still might not have the prevalence that it does today. I will say that her movement initially was very heavily centered on Black women and girls, particularly girls, actually, um, in the South that were victims of sexual assault and sexual violence. And it was about healing for them. It was about giving them the language and starting the process of healing and letting them know that it wasn't their fault, um, which is something that I love and admire about that movement. But that movement has now become what we know it as today, the hashtag, and we know Harvey Weinstein, all this, that, and the third. So, Though Tarana Burke does not blame Alyssa Milano, she very heavily places any potential fault on the media. It is just another case of being able to see that it's not cool until somebody else does it, if that makes sense. Um, Tarana Burke started the Me Too movement in 2006. If you're familiar with the Me Too movement as we know it today, it started gaining traction in 2017. So over a decade had gone by of her doing the work, boots on the ground type work, and going unknown. And if it wasn't for potentially the the rise and the use of hashtag and again, the internet, we still might not know the name Toronto Burke. 
So going on in the article, our author goes on to say, Black women are no stranger to the co-opting of their creative genius. A few recent examples, in 2016, Melania Trump made headlines after many noticed eerie similarities between her speech and one given previously by former First Lady Michelle Obama. Earlier this year, 60 Minutes ran a story about racial bias and facial recognition and conveniently forgot to include a mention of the three Black women. Now, pause for a second. These beautiful, intelligent women have names that I'm about to struggle to pronounce. Um, if you know me in real life, you know that I think pronouncing people's name is one of the simplest ways to show respect. Unfortunately, I was not able to get a hold of any sort of pronunciation prior to this, so I apologize. Love y'all, love this, but bear with me. So back up a sentence a little bit. Bias and facial recognition and conveniently forgot to include mentions of three Black women. Joy, Winnie. That probably ain't right. Based off the placement of the consonants, I think this is an African name. Timnit Jibru, or Gibru, starts with the G, and Inalua Deborah Raji, who spearheaded the most seminal research in the field, the field being um, facial recognition and AIs. Goes on to say, in July of 2021, the Confederate statue of Robert E. Lee was removed from Charlottesville, Virginia. 20-year-old student activist Ziana Bryant started the petition that led to the statue's removal when she was just 15 years old. In an op-ed written for Teen Vogue, Bryant shared, I have read book after book and watched countless documentaries about the political implications of the fall of these monuments. Too many of them never mention the names of the Black women who are essential in making it all happen. It is morally bankrupt and intellectually dishonest to tell a story that leaves Black women like myself out of the narrative. Brian's fears highlight a disturbing trend that has manifested in different ways. I think it is also worth noting, um, I debated if I wanted to mention this part, but I do think collectively part of this has to do with colorism, featureism, um, which is obvious in any part of the Black woman's lived experience. Yes, but specifically what kind of triggered that thought for me with this is that Ziana is a bigger dark-skinned, unambiguously Black woman. And I think that that sometimes plays a part in who we want to be the face of certain things. Um, I would say if that makes sense, but I know it makes sense. I know y'all feeling me when you think about, and I think we see this a lot in media, when we talk about um, representation, representation, and then you see who they pick to represent us. And it is never typically a woman who was unambiguously Black, African-American, of African ancestry, or a first-generation African woman, to add that to the mix, anyone in the diaspora, you're not seeing people who are without question, if I hope, hope that's not offensive to any of my biracial listeners or multicultural listeners, but you're not seeing those faces. You're seeing people who are palatable to white mainstream media. So I do think that that plays a large part in some of this erasure that takes place. I think also when it comes to someone, an activist like Marsha P. Johnson, transgender women, especially transgender Black women, are everything that we're experiencing are experiencing eight times 10. And I feel like that that is another reason why not only do, does the LGBT community just often get the the raw end of certain deals, but like because it was a transgender, a transgender black woman that was ahead of that movement, there's a reason why we didn't find out about that until after her passing. If um, if y'all are following me, 
this all goes, who do we want to be the face? I know who we want to be the face. I'm pointing to myself, even though y'all can't see me. I know who we want to be the face. But when it comes to palatability and politics and desirability politics and all of that, there's there are more reasons why you might not know that these Black women exist based solely off of their appearance and who's willing to put them in front of the camera. I mentioned Tarana Burke earlier, also another Black woman who is, again, I should say, unambiguously Black, dark-skinned woman. And she is not old by any means, but she's older in the sense that we all know beauty is king, uh, not beauty, age and youngness and youthfulness is king. This is a woman that looks her age. So, of course, there, there's no there's no marketing there in the eyes of white media. So we're going on. I kind of took a tangent there, but this article includes a picture of Ziana and Tarana Burke. And I think that just adds to it. And I appreciate that the article includes these pictures, but I also think that it kind of gets your wheels turning on a potential another reason why we might not know who some of these women are. The article goes on to say, social media is a newer arena where Black women are seeing their work and words appropriated. Critical race scholar, Dr. Angel Jones, recently posted about this on her Instagram page. In an Instagram Live, Dr. Jones shared that an Instagram page had been reposting her work without properly crediting or tagging her as a source. Social media isn't the only place where Black women are seeing their work being passed off as someone else's. In 2017, designers Destiny Blue and Tazita Balamle, again, y'all excuse me, I have one of the most common, literally the most common name in the world. My last name is Johnson Ward. So sometimes I come across these more beautiful names and I'm like, uh, what? But anyway, <laughs> accused Khloe Kardashian, so Destiny Blue and Tazita Balamle, accused Khloe Kardashian and Kylie Jenner of stealing designs from their fashion lines. Images from both designers revealed close similarities between their designs and the designs from Kardashian and Jenner's line. Um, 2017 is not that long ago. And that being said, five years ago, I was a mid 20 something. I was on social media. I remember this. And it's also so unfortunate that even when we bring light to certain things, they tend to then get swept under the rug still. This was a big thing. I remember when social media caught fire about this, we were all fired up. But what came of it? Even if it was a settlement outside of court or I don't know where it went I don't even know if legal action was taken but it would be nice to know the resolution because I do think that that is part of undoing some of the harm that is done we would love to see when people have to go back and apologize or pay monetarily like knowing that something was done encourages people to continue to call things out I think a lot that can also be said about even more, not that this isn't serious, but more serious things like sexual assault and domestic violence. When you see the perpetrator actually face some sort of consequence, you faith is, is you can you can build faith in telling your story. So often you tell your stories and you aren't believed or nothing comes of it. And it's like, well, what did I tell for? Nothing happened. Nothing changed about my situation, unfortunately, though I told. I did what people tell you to do. Oh, why didn't you just tell? Why didn't you just go to the police? Because you do that and nothing comes of it. So you start to lose hope. So like I said, I remember when this happened, but I could not tell you what came of it. And that's unfortunate. I wish I wish I did know what came of that situation. The article goes on to say, with the insurmountable evidence revealing how Black women throughout history to present day are not properly credited, 
cited, or referenced for movements, ideas, creativity that they've birthed, it's imperative to call this behavior out whenever it occurs. Whether it's on social media or in real life, the first step is repairing the harm. You can start by acknowledging what you've done, regardless of whether it was intentional or not. And I think that is me interjecting again. I think that is a big one. So often people neglect the fact that it is not always intention. You might've had the best intention, but if you hurt someone along the way, acknowledge that. That doesn't negate your intention. That doesn't, it's not an indictment on your character, but if you messed up, you messed up and say that as opposed to why didn't it mean to? And that's fine, babe. We know you didn't mean to. However, you did. Therefore, take ownership of that mistake, whether you meant to make it or not, and apologize or act accordingly. Going on. It's important to remember this tweet from illustrator Danielle Cook, who referenced white folks who were stealing justice-related artwork from people of color. In the tweet, she said, you are reinforcing the same system that you are trying to dismantle. You are not amplifying us. You are centering yourself. Artist Kendra Dandy provides an excellent lesson for who to properly credit creator or how to properly credit creators. You are reposting on Instagram, an Instagram story that is now highlighted on her page under crediting. So this article has a lot of like link hyperlinked things in it. And I'm going to do my best to add those same links to the show description. Obviously, if you go to this article, you will see said things. But some of y'all ain't into reading. Y'all just want to see the stuff I'm talking about. So I will link those as well. Going on, Dandy wrote that ignorance does not absolve you from consequences, and she is absolutely right. Those concerned about safeguarding their intellectual property can look into getting their work copyrighted or trademarked. Contrary to popular belief, imitation is not flattery at all. Those who have engaged in misappropriation must ask themselves this, how does the Black woman I have stolen from want this harm to be repaired? I think that's a very imperative question, and I think that sometimes you need to not only think, but actually ask, go ask them. If you have harmed someone, and this can go for us and others as well, obviously, if you've harmed someone, ask them, what, how can I make this right? Now, I will say, based on the work that I've done in therapy, you will probably not have the answer on the tip of your tongue for what you want the person to do, depending on the type of harm that was done. However, the gesture of simply asking and being willing to do whatever is said within reason, obviously, is the first step asking I've done harm what can I do to help repair this harm and I think this is the end of this article so I'm going to continue reading hopefully without pause let's see if you are inspired by the words the content or the ideas of a black woman ask her first if she's comfortable with the ways you intend to use share or repost her content if the individual is comfortable with her content ideas or words being used by you. It is imperative that you cite, tag, credit, and reference the originator whenever and however possible. Plagiarism is grounds to get kicked out of school in our everyday lives. We must hold plagiarizers accountable. Oh wait, the punctuation makes this read a little different. Let me back up. Plagiarism is grounds to get kicked out of school. In our everyday lives, we must hold plagiarizers accountable. I think that's where we were going with that. The best way to prevent future harm is to cite Black women. In 2017, Dr. Kristen A. Smith created the site. It's a website, but it's also titled Cite Black Woman Campaign. She created the Cite Black Woman Campaign as a way to highlight this issue and 
quote, push people to engage in radical praxis, a citation that acknowledges and honors Black women's transnational intellectual production. Some plagiarism is seemingly benign, but gaining social currency, clout, or capital through thievery should come with a hefty penalty. The public plays a powerful role in keeping folks accountable. Each and every time we call out this behavior, we make it more costly to steal from Black women. Now to me, that last part, ooh, baby, that is a, that's the one right there, chef's kiss, chef's kiss. Each and every time we call out this behavior, we make it more costly to steal from Black women. And I think stealing and stolen, that's going to trigger somebody somewhere, but call it like it is. Call a thing what the thing is, and it's stealing. When you take an idea from someone, point blank period, Black woman or not, you take somebody's idea, you take someone's intellectual property, and you try to push it off as your own, that's stealing, babe. That's It is what it is. And it should come at a cost. And unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes you don't know what that cost was or if the cost was paid. Um, circling back to that fashion incident I was speaking of, um, we don't know what happened or if anything happened. I have seen with my own eyes, even in recent times on social media, I see the backlash. I know most recently there is a girl... I'm going to link her TikTok. She is very funny. But um, you might be familiar with this phrase if you're familiar with social media trends. She said, the girls that get it, get it. And the girls that don't, don't. When I tell you that thing caught on like wildfire, that thing caught on like wildfire. (laughs) And y'all have probably, even if you're not super familiar with social media or on TikTok constantly, that sound had enough of an impact that I'm willing to bet. If you have a phone, you have heard that sound. That being said, Later on in its in its time, because, you know, social media time is days, not months or years. But in the time that that sound was hot, a white girl got a deal with a water brand off of that same phrase. Now, granted, people are like, oh, but it's just words. She's not the first person to say it. OK, sure. I'll give you that. She's not the first person to say it. There's only so many words in the English language. We all string them together in a similar way every now and again. However, don't play dumb with me. You literally are playing in our faces to say that you don't know why some stuff is hot. Point blank, period. Play with your mama, not me. You know why that sound is cool right now. You know also why another company would be interested in using it for marketing because it was cool. So yeah, she wasn't the first person to say it, but she is the person who had the sound. Well, she said it and it became a sound, whatever, whatever. Um, you know why it's cool. You know where it came from in this instance. You know why it's being used for marketing in this instance. So again, stop playing in our faces and trying to lessen what some people are doing. Don't try to negate it and and make it cute or dumb it down, water it down. Again, call a thing a thing. I'm trying to not say call a spade a spade because from what I hear that has racial implications like every other cute little saying, not cute, but every other little saying that we have comes from some deeper, darker past. But yeah, call a thing a thing. (sighs) I'm exhausted. So (laughs) I'm also dramatic. But anyway, so that being said, that article, like I said, I'm done with that one. I read it in its entirety. I hope y'all, I hope I did some of the work for y'all by reading it to you. But yeah, that um, that article, like I said, that is not an exhaustive list of contributions by Black women. Because when I tell you, if you Google search, which I did, literally the phrase, ideas stolen from Black women, Google will throw you a bone. And they won't show you that because no one has written an article about that. 
However, they have worded it a little bit better. And you will find article after article about inventions from Black women, things that Black women have done in our society that have gone not unnoticed because the things and the ideas are being used, but have gone uncredited. So I, I challenge you, go look, go look at what pops up. If you type in ideas stolen from Black women, you'll be amazed. I read an article doing the research for this episode that I think 11 inventions and some of them I was like, uh, interesting. One of them, if I'm not mistaken, is the ironing board. Black woman came up with that. Y'all welcome. I also feel like culturally we do more ironing than anybody. Now that probably could go back to times when black women were being maids for other races of women. Regardless, black women, we iron our clothes, we steam our clothes, we go out looking fresh. I can't say the same for others. So, okay, that's our first article. And I'm going to come back with the second one in just a second. All right, I'm back. Now, the second article is specifically about our contributions to fashion. If you think something is cute, assume a Black woman did it first. And if you disagree, argue with somebody else because you already know I got the receipts. Literally have the article in front of me. But yeah, I think that I think that's a good rule of thumb. If you think something is cute, literally just assume a Black woman did it. And if not a Black woman... No, nah, that's it. I'm gonna leave it at that. A Black woman did it first. I don't care. Unless it is some sort of Cult, I'll, I'll add this asterisk, unless it is some sort of cultural related dress, as in like a hijab or something like that, assume a black woman did it. Anyway, so here we go. This article is titled Six Fashion Trends That Were Started by Black Women. And again, this article is written by black women. And it is posted on, I think this is a blog. I would assume this is a blog. It's called The Every Girl. I have never seen a magazine called The Every Girl. So we're going to go out on a limb and say it's a blog. Cute though. Anyway, so here is the article written by Maya G. Pete. And this is an article just simply from this year. And I think this could have very well been sparked by what we're seeing so much on social media, especially when it comes to fashion. So social justice, we're we're at the wheel. We're not getting credit. I, I went through that already. But when it comes to fashion, and I think why it's so critical for us as Black women, women of color, so often, some of these trends that I'm going to mention, we are demonized for these things. We are, we're missing out on opportunities because of some of the, not, not because of, but there are certain things we know we can't do, though they are natural to us, because when it comes to job interviews and things like that, when it comes to hair and clothes, jewelry, whatever it may be, self-expression when it comes to fashion can limit some of the opportunities we are given. So many of the things on this list, I know for a fact, have been labeled as ghetto or trashy. But now with social media and we're seeing white girls do it, all of a sudden it's trendy and it, it's heartbreaking again because the social implications are not being highlighted. One of the things that's on this list, I know it's on here, but I'm going to say it now just because it's on the forefront of my mind, <laughs> black braids. So often we get this debate at least once a week, a white girl wearing braids. And I think, at least for me personally, I can't speak for all Black women, if white women would stop holding on so tightly to not wanting to credit us for braids, I think a lot of the hurt, a lot of, a lot of this stuff could be solved if people were just willing to acknowledge 
what what has gone on in the past and understand the historical context and why it may be hurtful because again no one has written a a piece of legislation to make it okay for white women to wear their natural hair if you're familiar with the crown act that is a a piece of legislation that has come about since I was a teenager, not even like, oh, in my lifetime, not in my 29 years proper in the past, I'm gonna say 10, honestly, um, which was all focused on natural hair and not being able to discriminate against black women or people in general um, for natural hair and defining it as professional, all of those things, y'all know this stuff. So again, what I'm saying is I feel like if people were willing to acknowledge that and give credit where it was due, it's not the braids. Let me say this again. For me, it is not the braids themselves. It's the lack of awareness and the lack of the willingness to learn. And again, give credit where credit is due. But I digress. We're going to read the article. So though this is also a well-written article, beautiful chef's kiss, I'm not going to read it verbatim the way that I did the last one, just because I don't know, y'all didn't come here for me to read. Anyway, so the very first thing on this list, nail art. First line, two words, flow, jump. While the modern manicure dates back to ancient Egypt and long nails to the historic Inca empire of South America, what we now call a quote, full set was brought to the pop culture stage by a black woman. In 1988, Florence Griffith Joyner broke the 100 meter world record three times at the US Olympic track and field trials. The world turned its attention to this astounding feat and consequently to her astounding nails. Flo Jo took the world by storm, sporting four-inch curved tiger-striped fingernails, and then returned the next day with a totally new and fiery fuchsia set. Ooh, the next line mentions Baps, so I'm gonna throw that in here. Years later, in the 1997 films, Baps, one of my personal favorites, shout out to my mother, that's our movie, Halle Berry and Natalie DeSalle Reed, RIP to that queen, delivered performances we still talk about today but it was their hair and nails that truly took center stage. Their long, crafty nails and elaborate hairstyles made the legends made them legends in the Black community. So yeah, nails, we did it first. Again, I don't need to, to harp necessarily on the words. I'm here solely to highlight the trends. So nail art, y'all know we did it first. Y'all also know that those nails are often called ghetto, at least they were. Now that other people are doing it, all nail techs are now doing them. And they're just charging accordingly. Again, someone is profiting off of an idea that we once were demonized for. Next trend, nameplate jewelry. And there's a beautiful picture of Rihanna wearing her last name on a chain. Ooh, this one. For all my sex in the city girlies, this one's for us, but not for us. <laughs> when Carrie Bradshaw debuted the famous Carrie script necklace in the first season of Sex in the City in 1998, buzz ensued. Sarah Jessica Parker's stylist for the show, Patricia Field, got the idea to put the script necklace on Carrie after she saw, quote, kids in the neighborhood wearing them. If you're not familiar with Sex and the City, it takes place in New York. So she saw New York City kids, which were black and brown kids. But anyway, the piece spread like wildfire and quickly became known as the Carrie necklace. However, the nameplate trend from the necklaces to earrings has been a pinnacle of Hispanic and black cultures in New York since the 1970s. Again, this is nothing new to y'all, but it might be. So there's that. Um, And like many trends set forth by Black women, again, at one point this was called ghetto. But when Carrie Bradshaw did it, though she is an icon in pop culture, Sarah Jessica Parker, cool lady from what I've seen, 
again, it's disheartening to see someone get credit or notoriety for something that when you did it, it wasn't cool. Another sound off TikTok right now, that was a thing. It's cool when they do it. It's a problem when I do it. Literally, that is like the theme song to Black women and everything that we do. We do something that ain't cool, but then somebody else pick it up and, oh, wow, that's so nifty. Where'd you get that from? A Black woman. The gag is no one ever follows it up with a Black woman. I digress. Once again, moving on. (laughs) Number three, hoop earrings. I'm not even going to read this part. Because y'all know, this is this is one of the pieces of fashion that I feel like gets the most attention when this conversation gets brought up. Because again, hoop earrings. I remember at one time when I was a child, I don't know if people are still saying this, but there was an expression, the bigger the O, the bigger the ho. Um, and that was in reference to hoop earrings. But now hoops and the little dainty gold hoops that I see, that is, uh, it's trendy now. But again, this is a a trend that dates back to the 60s and 70s with Nina Simone and Angela Davis. But again, wasn't cool then. I remember those women specifically are known as radicalists of that time. So I know that the earrings were not being met with the revere that they are now. Bamboo earrings also originated in the Black community with salt and pepper, bringing them into the limelight in the 1980s. Next on the list is oversized clothes. Listen, I know what you're going to say. Surely the popularization of baggy clothes was created by a man. And to that, I say yes, but for men only. Baggy clothes for women? We can thank my personal heroes, the women of TLC, for taking male-dominated oversized styles and making them cool for women to wear. These are all the words of the author, by the way. I didn't. I read what she said. I, I didn't say that. Anyway, but still, I would give them credit, of course. But just so y'all know, I am actually reading. Alongside icons like Aaliyah, TLC made an otherwise masculine trend, feminine, and even gender ambiguous. Sometimes they'd rock entirely loose fits, while other times they'd pair baggy bottoms with bra tops, leading us to Aaliyah's iconic Tommy Hilfiger look. Mwah. Again, chef's kiss, a look. Me personally, though I feel like I have found my personal style as an adult, I, which no one probably, these are the looks that I was really into. I wish I could have dressed like that, the cool girls. This was from a time where I was, I was little. TLC, Aaliyah, I was little. Definitely too little probably to be wearing. Well, I didn't even need to wear a bra, but like bras and baggy pants. But I'm so glad y'all brought that back because when I tell you salivating back in the day as a little kid, I'm like, oh, I love this. Wish I could wear this. Wish I could be a big girl. Now I am a big girl and y'all done brought 90s and 2K styles back. So I'm grateful. But again, never forget where you got it from. Black women. Next on our list, cornrows, edges, weaves, and protective styles. So this goes into the braid thing that I was talking about earlier. Beautiful picture of our queen mother, Beyonce, wearing a beautiful uh, slick back ponytail with a long blonde braid. She ate, obviously. So for the author, she says, this one is bittersweet for me, and I assume a lot of Black women. It's hard to watch something that you were made fun of for or even self-conscious about become heralded as a trend because someone with lighter complexion says it was cool. Honestly, that's the case for a lot of trends on this list, but this one hits harder. As little as little girls, we were teased about our cornrows, told our edges were too extra, and told that we should stop wearing weaves and rock our natural hair, but in the same breath then told our natural hair was ugly. Even through all of that, we made our hair our art and lifted each other up for our resilience and creativity. Now, because Kylie Jenner, Gigi Hadid, Kim Kardashian, Ariana Grande, and other non-Black celebrities 
have sported these styles, they've become palatable and that's hurtful. Our hair has been our expression for so long, but it's also been a source of stereotyping and ultimately our criminalization. So I didn't bring up criminalization when I first started talking about this, but yes, that is another big part of this criminalization, which is just the act of making something criminal criminal or being penalized in the judicial system. Um, that is just an off top of the dome definition. I don't know if that's actually the definition of criminalization. The context clues lead me to believe I am not wrong, but I will throw the definition in the show description since I just admitted that that technically is not it. Anyway, moving on. But yeah, criminalization and stereotyping and so many of the things on this list, like the author has said, are deemed as ghetto or not professional. And you can't wear that to work or this, that, and the third. But now, again, non-Black celebrities and non-Black people, just in general, not even celebrities, other groups do certain stuff. It's now magically palatable. They, It's basically like them saying, we approve of this now. And it, again, it's hurtful, especially as a grown adult. In theory, we don't need approval for too much of anything. But at the same time, it's like subconsciously in the eyes of society, we do. I don't know. Shout out to all the women who despite the natural hair trends and this, that, and the third, who always rock their natural hair. Love that for y'all. And I appreciate that y'all did that. So the rest of y'all walk so we can run. But yes, anyway, braids. We did it first. We do it better. And until y'all ready to say where you got it from, who you copying off of, and acknowledge the fact that you once called these same styles ghetto or picked on and teased us for them, hold off on using them until you're ready to do some self-work hold off last on our list now this one tripped me up because I saw the words first and I had a completely different idea in my head so number six on this list is chain mail now being a child of the 90s I thought they were referring to those those chain emails that you would send to people like send this and or if you don't send this you have seven years of bad luck those type emails, apparently they are not talking about that. Chain mail is a term used to talk about those sparkly all chain tops and whatnot. Like, I know y'all know what I'm talking about. It is a, pi- a picture of Lisa Ray McCoy, the real McCoy, um, in this article that if y'all go to it, you'll see a picture of her. But um, yeah, y'all, y'all gonna know the droopy sparkly tops. Um, the author of this article says, if you're like me, you didn't know this trend had a name. Me, I'm like her, I didn't know. Um, I shamelessly Googled droopy sparkly top more times than I care to admit in search of one of these tops or dresses. To be honest, I've yet to work up the courage to buy one to wear, but there's still a lot of time in 2022. That is, those are her words. I recently wore a whole dress like this for my birthday. Um, and I love this look. Again, I was too young to wear it the first go around, but I'm here now. I'm with the sexy girls. I'm with the hot girls. We're wearing our chain mill tops and dresses. There's a little dispute over whether a Black woman started this trend and more controversy over which Black woman started it. Most would point to Aaliyah in her iconic Try Again music video. However, some credit Lisa Ray McCoy as the first to rock the look. While it's hard to identify who may have been the first, we know these two have no chance of being the last. So yes, they definitely not the last, like I just told y'all wore it the other day. Um, but yeah, those tops, iconic. Lisa Ray in this top right now, looking iconic. And to date this picture even more for y'all, she's standing next to Cisco. That's right, Thong Song Cisco. If y'all don't know him from nothing else. 
I feel like all of my listeners are old enough to know who Cisco is, but just in case. So yeah, those are six things that we can credit Black women for. Six things on, again, a non-exhaustive list. There are so many things, especially in fashion, that without Black women, we would not have. And again, I can't stress this enough, though this is a personal opinion, I really think if more people just got behind crediting Black women, and let me say this, I don't think the lack of credit comes from people not knowing. I I don't think that. I, for some of these things, absolutely 1000% know. Y'all know where this came from, but y'all just not giving the proper credit. Because again, if we're going back to the first article, when we don't call this stuff out, the cost is not high enough for some to 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 credit black women or to steal from them it's okay because there's there's never been any real consequence so why why would they start crediting us now if they have gone on for so long not doing it so again it's imperative that we call this stuff out and i see a lot of it on social media and i love that i see i love seeing other black women stick up for other black women i just anyway (laughs) i love seeing black women stick up for other women other black women because Sometimes you aren't going to, sometimes you might have an idea and you might not see the creator that stole it, but somebody else did. And they're going to tag you like, um, did you credit at so-and-so? Ooh, I love to see them comments. They just get me fired up. And I also love when the creator of the video in question goes on to say, oh yeah, like my bad and apologizes. My bad is not the best apology, but acknowledging, oh yeah, I forgot. Or some, in some capacity of willingness to then go back and credit. They will sometimes re-add it to the captions are added in the the uh, comment, but in some capacity, that person is willing to go back. And I appreciate that. There are just so many things. And I think for the sake of time, obviously I can't go on and on about this, but yeah, this, we see it too much. I think that's, I think that would, that's what it is for me. Social media has made it so abundantly clear that every day someone takes something from a black woman, manipulates it, uses it, and doesn't credit her. And sometimes at the expense of like monetary, monetary value, like some people are making money off of this, making money off of ideas that they got from us. So I implore all my black women creatives, all my black women period. If you got an idea, do what you can, see who you can talk to about getting it, registering your intellectual property. I have some ideas that others have told me to do just that. And in the upcoming year, I plan to do that as well. We have ideas, we have stuff. And unfortunately, we see it every day. Someone will come and take it if we don't do our due diligence to trademark our ideas. So if you can, I know financially, sometimes that can be a barrier. But I also know if you talk to the right person, it will help you file the paperwork, maybe not do it for you, but help you to cut down on some of the cost. If you need links to some of these people or maybe some advice from me on how to potentially find some of these people, let me know. I'd be happy to help. Put a word out, put a leg out, do something to help another Black woman get her idea registered so she can get the credit that she deserves. So I'm long-winded and we're going to wrap it up. If you liked what you heard and would like to hear more from me and other Black women professionals in the future, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, turn on your notifications, leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and share the show with the Black woman you love. You can keep up with me and the podcast on Instagram at changeouroutcomes, that's C-H-A-N-G-E, our, O-U-R, outcomes. Want to send me a show idea or continue to chat about podcast topics? Email me at changeouroutcomes at gmail.com. And lastly, if you'd like to engage with the podcast verbally, go ahead and send me a one-minute voice message on Anchor. 
The link is in the show description. As always, thank you for your support. And if no one has told you, Black Girl, you are brilliant. Black Girl, your work will change the world. And Black Girl, you are loved. Thanks for listening.